and from a lot of people, uh, from a lot of different things. Uh, one of the primary things is government. How do Christians relate to government? Uh, back with the coronavirus upstart, really, you know, a lot of people, we saw the government kind of issue orders and stuff like that, and we didn't really like it. And a lot of people were trying to butt up against it, and people just weren't sure how to react to what was going on. And as of last week, we've seen a lot of protests, and, and the protests have been against racism and police brutality. But what's interesting is those peaceful protests quickly became violent and became riots and looting. And now we see really an issue of lawlessness. And so Pastor Paul and I, over the last couple of weeks, have been really dealing with this issue of what does the Bible say about government to us as Christians? How are we supposed to interact <clears throat> with it? And so what happened was me and Paul decided, hey, we're going to do some filming. Uh, Paul has not been a huge fan of filming, but it's been good. Uh, this is actually one of the things that we chose to do was talk about government, the purpose of it, why we have it. And uh, we sat at a table just like this downstairs, and, and we did it. And uh, as the elders had decided to come back this week here, June 7th, we decided why not bring it to the modified services? Since it's all very different, we're all experiencing uh, just weird things, let's change up the sermon a little bit. And we're actually going to talk together here uh, really about uh, God and government. And we've called this section Pastors at a Long Table because even up on stage, we're trying our best to do social distancing, right? The idea is, though, God has said a lot about government. So we're going to actually have four questions here today. We're not going to cover it all. This is a huge topic. We want to encourage you to come back or tune in next week, whether it be online or be here in person for the follow-up stuff, because there's going to be about four weeks of this. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about it, and we need to understand. Today we're going to deal with where does authority and government come from, what are some of the different types of authority and government we have in our life? What is kind of their purpose or their role? And then, of course, finally, we're going to talk about, really, is all authority and government from God? And so I'm going to bring up that first question here, Paul, and I'm going to let you <clears throat> deal with it. Maybe. Russ, do you mind switching over to the next slide? My clicker's not working. We're going to go to that first question is, where did authority or this idea of governing come from? And really, uh, where do we start at? I know, he's lost. It's okay. okay. Anyway, we don't, need, we don't need the slide. Technology will always let you down when you want to use it. Uh, without a doubt, uh, this is different. And uh, yes, we have fielded questions that went the whole gamut. I have research that went the whole gamut. I have watched things. I have read things. I've listened to things. Uh, Peter and I have discussed Sometimes <laughs> I felt like my tongue was going to fall out so many times we discussed. But the main thing that we did is we went back into the Word of God and literally tried to find every single passage that related to government and our response to government, how we should interact with government, and how God has designed government to right. function. But the, the bottom line question is, where ultimately does authority come from? Uh, does it come from government? Does it come from the church? Does it come from individuals? Uh, and there are people over history that would have answered all of those. But all of them would be wrong. Because, because authority, the big picture of authority, comes from God alone. We know that from the very beginning of the book of Exodus. 
When God created Adam and Eve, he only gave them a few rules. Peter likes to point out, I say he gave them one rule, and that was don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Peter likes to point out, he also said, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, we don't normally That's, think about that one. We don't really have much problem with that one. It's a command. Uh, it's hey. a command. It is a command. But uh, anyway, and we have not rehearsed this, so uh, if you see glitches, uh, it's a part of... This is really a little bit like what happens in my office or his office uh, during the week. But ultimately, immediately after God created Adam and Eve, he gave them some commands. And one of those things that was in there, he said that they were to rule over the earth. They were su to subdue the earth, and that included dealing with the animals and the nature around them that God had created. Right. And so he gave them not what we would call human government, but they had a governance over creation. Man was above and beyond the rest of the creation, but that does not mean he was a law unto himself or that he was the final authority. Remember, all authority comes from God, including to the first two people that were ever on this earth, and that's to Adam and Eve. He said, I have a job for you to do. Well, this is even and, before sin. And I think a, a key word there is responsibility. Yeah. When we think about it like that, is Adam and Eve were responsible to tend for the garden and for the animals. And I think that's yeah. a great word to fit into that. Yes, it is. Area. They had the authority and the governance. Uh, and that's even before sin. If you have been following along last week, the, the original sermon that leads into what Peter and I are doing here is um, a sermon from Mark chapter 12. Uh, as happened over and over again in the ministry of Jesus Christ, the people who despised each other were willing to get together to fight against him. In other words, uh, for example, in the Mark chapter 12, the Herodians and the Pharisees who did not like each other, and if you, don't, if you haven't listened to that sermon, the Herodians said, oh, we kind of side with the Roman government. We follow after what Herod has encouraged us to do. And remember, Israel is a semi-autonomous country. They can rule kind of in among themselves, but ultimately they answer to the Roman government. The Herodians said, we side with Herod, and we kind of right. go with him. And uh, they were despised by those of the Pharisees who said, no, God gave us law. We determine our future and what we do. And they really did not like each other at all. But they liked, disliked Jesus more than each other. And so they got together to come against him, and they had the gotcha question. Now, that happened many times in the New Testament in Jesus' ministry. But they, they came and they said, okay, Jesus, is it okay for us? Is it lawful for us to pay the poll tax? Jesus, smarter than them, looks right through the whole thing and says, Give me a denarius. That would have been a day's wages, and it would have paid the tax. So he asked them a question, and they have to answer it. Remember, they ask him a question. He answers with another question. He says, whose image and inscription is on there? Well, it was an easy answer. They said, it's Caesar's inscription, and it's Caesar's image. 
One of the things, if you've never looked at a denarius on the back, it, he, he didn't claim to be God, but he claimed to be a son of God. Okay, and his image is on there. To a Jewish person, that's kind of like idolatry. But if you're a Roman citizen, to not pay the tax and to not acknowledge uh, Tiberius, who was the, the man most likely on that particular denarius, uh, would have been to be a rebel. And so no matter what Jesus would have answered one way or the other, he would have been in trouble. If he said, pay the tax, then the Jewish people would have been against him because they're like, you are idolatrous, idolatrous, uh, and you're going against what God has told us. If he would have said uh, to not pay the tax, then the Romans, the Herodians would have said, you're uh, trying to cause unrest and revolt and you're you know, defying the government and it would have been a no win. So he just simply says, whose image? Whose uh, inscriptions on there and they said Caesar's and he gives this answer we all know what the answer is <laughs> render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's when you look at that it's really boiling everything we talk about as Christians we have multiple authorities all authority we're going to point this out later we're going to look at Romans right. chapter uh, 13 all authority, no matter where it is, comes from God. doesn't matter what kind of authority, it all comes from God. But we have a dual authority. One is we have a responsibility to the governing authorities. The Bible's very clear. Peter and I have searched over and over again, <laughs> is there a place where we defy government and we rebel against government? I can tell you that when you get to the bottom line, and we're not going to talk about that for a couple of weeks yet, when you get right out to the very edge, there's a place where you have to stand up and say, ah, we, we got to draw a line here. But that is not the normal in the Word of God, the whole way from beginning to end. God has given all authorities, and that includes human government. All right. And so, but in our case, we have a government in an authority in our lives that's higher. We are citizens of heaven and citizens of the one who gave authority to human government. So he was just saying, you know what? You have to deal in two worlds, human government, and oh, ultimately you have to be in authority to me. And what's interesting is that we see this idea of authority played out through scripture. I mean, authority and governance has, has been around, like we said, from Genesis chapter one. Because what happens is Genesis chapter 3, the fall happens. Adam and Eve, of course, rebel against the greatest authority. They, they rebelled against God himself and disobeyed. And so God removes them. What happens then? They have two, uh, at least two sons, Cain and Abel. And Cain kills Abel. Abel, of course, is scared because he knows that someone's going to come after him. His life is now pretty much forfeited. He knows that because of what he chose to do, someone is going to take revenge. But by the time you get to Noah, and after the flood, and after the rainbow, God actually gives another command of authority. It's one that's probably we kind of overlook, but it's really this first semblance of giving man this governmental authority to deal with major issues. And one of the major issues is murder. It's blood shall be uh, by... Oh, see, now i got to get this right. Man's blood shall be shed... No. I'll get... 
I'll get there. If man sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. Yeah, there we go, a lot of blood. <laughs> but that's the idea, though, right? We see this first semblance of governance coming in, is now man is given a responsibility, and this is a heavy responsibility. Because why? You're taking someone else's life, but notice that there's now a responsibility to do that, to uphold law and order, even early on in Genesis. And then by the time we get to Abraham, well, actually, let's go with the Tower of Babel. We talked about that this morning. We have some time. But me and Paul over the last week have been talking about the Tower of Babel, if that was actually a semblance of government. Now, we came to the conclusion that if you've ever done a work project with someone and no one's ever been in charge, does that work project get done? No. So there probably was someone in charge, at least some type of authority. Whether it was a government, a king, or a leader, we don't know. The Bible doesn't really tell us. But they came together for a key purpose, and that was really to build themselves up, to set themselves up before God, and God didn't really go well with that. We knew there <laughs> had to be some form of government. That was our conclusion, and some form of authority minimum. Mm -hmm. Why? Because if the languages would have been confused and no one was in control and no one was giving orders, it would have continued. But because there was that breakdown in communication, it came to nothing. Remember, before the flood, every man did pretty much what was right in his own eyes. We'll get back to that. But they did evil continuously from the heart. Right. And God said, I'm done with you. I am going to bring judgment. As soon as the flood is over, as soon as they hit dry land again, though he just said, you know what, from now on, if you break the one commandment, the first commandment, and still should be the highest commandment to government, is that if you commit murder, premeditated murder, you forfeit your own life. And how do you do that? Does God strike you with lightning? The answer is no. Other people who are in authority bring that judgment against you, and yeah. you forfeit your life. It, bugs the living daylights out of me that we have government interfering where they may not be should have interfered and then government not interfering where they should interfere and uh, my wife is a big uh, fan of the investigative discovery channel on tv if i walk in the house and she's watching i said okay who killed who <laughs> because that's what it comes down to and people get off with a few years in jail or something uh, and when they premeditatedly, brutally murdered somebody, they get away with it. From the very beginning, human government said people need to be held accountable right. and responsible for their actions. And uh, there's way more than that because there are other forms of government. We'll talk about those in a few moments. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that was the number one rule for human government. And by the time you get to Abraham, like I said, you're, you realize that he goes down to Egypt and it actually interacts with the established government. The Pharaoh's already there. And then, of course, later on in the book of Genesis, you're going to see that he goes over to King Abimelech. And so we already have some monarchies that are being established by humankind to help govern the people and to keep law and order. But by the time you get up to uh, Judges, and we'll, we'll, we'll jump there. Uh, the law does a lot, and there's a lot we're going to talk about the law, especially in the upcoming weeks, with kind of the power and some of the, um, the authority that comes behind government. But the idea here is that Israel goes through this flux where they decide they don't want God 
Uh, so what happens? God sends judges throughout the land of Israel. These guys are sometimes good. Uh, they're military leaders. They're supposed to help kind of keep the peace. But the problem is, as you read through Judges, you realize they start to go downhill. But each of their stories start off that each person does what is right in their own eyes. The problem is when there is no government authority or when there is no authority, it becomes anarchy. And that's going to be a key word we're going to highlight in that next question. So I'm going to hold you back on that okay. real quick. Okay. Uh, but the Judges... You get through them, and then by the, that time, you get to 1 Samuel. Samuel's a prophet. He's also a judge. His sons aren't doing well as judges. The people don't want him, and they decide, we want a king. And God says, all right, we're going to give you a king, but know that there are going to be some consequences to that. In fact, is he said, you have rejected, Samuel said, and God said to Samuel, I'm sorry, that uh, they have not rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. Because under the law, given at Mount Sinai, we have a theocracy. A theocracy simply means God rules. And so God was the king, and he used others, Moses being the primary person, uh, Joshua being following him, to be God's spokesman. And so a theocracy, and you go, hold it, if God is king, everything should be wonderful. <laughs> Not true. Why? The problem with all authority, no matter what that authority is, and I'll talk about a few other, we'll talk about a few other authorities, right? Yeah, we'll get okay. there. We're going to do that. But all authority, the problem with it is two-sided, with only one problem. Those in authority are sinful. Those being governed are sinful. That's the problem. And so even under a theocracy, there were all kinds of problems. Moses and Aaron were continually on their face. I say they always had dirty faces because the people were continually griping and moaning and groaning and rebelling and, and just doing all kinds of wrong stuff. And they were going, Lord, we can't handle this. And they're on their face before God uh, with their faces to the ground. <laughs> and Lord, we, we can't handle this. Well, then eventually the people said, well, we don't like what's going on. We want a king. Right. Now, what was their motive? Their, king, their reason for a king was that we want a king like the other nations who will take us out and lead us in battle. Right. We want that human authority that we've got some power. And so God said, okay, you want a king. I do believe from back in Deuteronomy, God had already determined that eventually they would have a king. But they're jumping ahead, and they're like, no, we want a king. And like politics today, it went by appearances, not policy. And uh, they weren't looking for somebody who was humble and godly and uh, just had the good of the people in mind. They wanted someone like Saul. Saul was head and shoulders taller than everyone and a good-looking guy. That's the guy we want. Well, they got him. At first, he wasn't so bad. And then again, he went downhill. And that's the history of authority. That's the history of government over the, over the years, over all of history. It just goes downhill. So eventually, uh, we know that he comes to an end, and then a person after God's own heart is the one who takes over. Oh, boy, that's going to be great. Well, you know the story. It isn't. 
But in the meantime, God had said something, and it's going to come back up over and over again in the New Testament. That God said, you ask for a king, you're going to get exactly what you ask for. But I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen also. When he comes in, he is going to take the best of your sons and daughters and use them for his purposes. He's going to take the best, the, the top part of your money, your finances. He is going to cost you a fortune. Yep. The New Testament says, hey, you need to pay taxes to whom taxes? Anybody like paying taxes? Nope. I'll tell you what, I really, and all of you know, I am not pro nor anti-government. I am pro-principle. I despise paying one cent that gets given to somebody like uh, Planned Parenthood that encourages or performs abortions. I would rather my penny went to filling a pothole here and now, you know, because they're getting pretty bad some places. <laughs> you know, I would rather that. But the, the New Testament doesn't say, oh, well, if we don't like where the taxes go, don't pay your taxes. It doesn't say that. It says there's still a governing authority. And all governing authorities are better than no governing authorities. Right. When Peter and I first started talking about doing this, it was all about the... Uh, open PA and uh, the pandemic and all the dictates that were given by the governors and the federal and everything else. And we thought, okay, because we got a lot of questions. Well, while we're working on this, all of a sudden it went from peaceful protests, which we have a right to, and I have mm -hmm. no issues with whatsoever. Right. Fact is, I'll tell you, I was one of a few people from this congregation that actually went to a protest uh, in Harrisburg. I have no problem saying that. I also wrote emails to the government people above me. I said, here's what I encourage you to do. We have a right to do that. But then we found what we thought was many times obtrusive government, and all of a sudden, people were burning and looting and beating up police officers and doing all kinds of horrible, lawless things, anarchy, and where's the where is the government? And so the government is flip-flop all over the place. We believe okay. at, that the Bible teaches that there is an authority. I don't always have to agree, but here's the deal. Whatever form of government, and we will talk about this later, whatever form of government is better than no government at all. No government at all is anarchy. Anarchy has the seeds of destruction of itself and everything that it touches in itself. There cannot be any continuing to move forward in anarchy. So understand that whether it's a theocracy, they blew it. There are judges, they blew it. There is a king, kings, plural, they blew it. And uh, most of the kings in Israel were bad news. In fact, is one of the best, or two of the best, David and Solomon, father and son. David starts out, he is a really good guy. What's he do? He takes his power and authority and abuses it. He takes his fellow soldiers, his friend, uses him to kill someone. Right. He deceives people. He commits adultery. He lets his family run wild and, and all kinds of problems come from that. And then you get Solomon, who takes off from there and is rich as all get out, powerful as you can be, and he still ruins a whole lot of things to the point where 
those that come after him are going two different directions, and now you have a country that is divided. Right. And it really gets worse from there. And so you see that authority and government has really been from the very beginning, and, and it hasn't actually worked well for us as human beings because, again, we're sinful. But that leads us into the next question then. What is the main purpose of government and authority figures in our life? And we need to understand this because, as Paul was saying, when you have no authority figure, times get chaotic because we rely on ourselves to make decisions. And as you know, you live with yourself, so you know this, you don't always make the best decisions in life. Unfortunately, those in government are also sinful beings, and they're not always going to make the best decisions in life either. But there is a purpose that God has ordered government for, and authority figures for. We'll talk about in a moment what those different kinds of authority figures are in our life. But for this point, we want to we highlight that God has made authority and government for law and for order, for civility. If you think about the reason why the law is so focused on how people interact with each other all the way through Exodus, I mean, it's key because why? Otherwise, we would be at each other's throats all the time. The law helps maintain law and order. And again, as you said, uh, with peaceful protests going into rioting and looting, and then they literally did say on the news the one day that, hey, we're not sending police officers out because we're afraid that they'll get killed in this. There's, this is such, so out of hand, we're afraid for their lives. That's a bad place to be because why? Now you can't maintain law and order and civility. And we see that it gets out of hand rather quickly. In fact, many of you guys are familiar with some of the scenes that have been flashing on the news where people just go in and they simply take whatever they want. Now, the other issue with this is that people see mass amount of people doing this they start to think that, hey, this is okay during this time of unrest and unease, where that is not true. For us as Christians, we need to understand, even in a time like this, where law and order isn't being necessarily carried out, there is still that higher authority that we have to answer to. God is still in control. He still demands that we live the way he wants us to live, in decency and in civility and in order. Going back, we started and said, where did authority come from? It comes from God. But a lot of times when we think of authority, we immediately jump to government. That is absolutely not a biblical view of authority. Right. Authority starts uh, in the home, for example. Uh, in, uh, and uh, I don't know if Peter's going to point this out or I will, but in the family, it says... The husband's the head of the wife. But it turns around and says, oh, husbands, just because you are the head, you need to love your wife. You cannot abuse your authority. Wives submit. Husbands, you better not abuse that authority. Then it comes to children. And by the way, this follows right through the scripture. The very next chapter says, hey, children, you need to obey and honor your parents. Right. And then it says, hey, dads, don't abuse your authority. Don't go beyond disciplining and training your children. It goes from there and says, if you have a job and you have a boss or an owner or whatever it is, you know what? You have a responsibility to your employer. On the other hand, it makes it very clear, if you're the employer or the boss, you better not abuse your employee. And then it goes to the government. And it's, it's kind of a progression through that. So authority is a part of 
every aspect of our lives. For example, some of you are members of Garden Chapel. When you went through the membership class, we said, we as leaders, we will, we will pledge to you that uh, we're there to lead you correctly, and we want to help you. We also said that uh, you have a right to question us, and uh, there's that back and forth. There's a balance of power in there that we can actually grow together and become stronger together. So even the church has authority. And you can go on all kinds of other things. If you're in a project, there's someone in authority. My wife and I have something that we've said a long time ago. If we're in a group and somebody's in authority, I'm okay with it. People don't believe that about me, but if somebody <laughs> else is in the charge, I, it's their sandbox, their rules. But if I'm in a group and there is no authority, I'll guarantee you that I'm going to step up. And if I don't step up, my wife will, in case anybody doesn't know her. Uh, she has no problem doing that. Yesterday, I had a tractor pull. Praise the Lord. Thanks for praying. Uh, but um, guess what? I know one thing. I was the authority there. Not because I'm great. Somebody needs to be in control. Right. Otherwise, it would have been chaos. Uh, you don't put a whole bunch of rednecks in one place and think that everything's going to run right. There has to be an authority. By the way, I also answered too because I started the poll before uh, Chris and uh, Sherry and Amy were ready. I had to make an announcement. Hey, guys, I was wrong. My authority, I overstepped it. The ladies weren't ready. Start over again. You know what? Authority is across the board, and it goes right. two directions. Yeah, and so you see that there's a lot of different authorities. And, and sometimes when we hear the word authority, we just jump to Big Brother or we jump to the government because that's really what we see as mankind's highest authority here on Earth. But the answer is there's just a variety of authorities we have to answer to. Um, and you brought up most of them, so I'm not going to re-highlight that. But uh, yeah, Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6 is going to highlight be subject to one another as Christians. Yes. And then he goes through those examples. And in fact, even as you read through First uh, Peter, you're going to see that, uh, again, Peter highlights, hey, the church is responsible to the elders, but the elders, man, you guys, you guys better not abuse your authority. You better not mistreat God's flock because you have to answer to him. So there's a lot that goes in with that. Now we're going to finish with this question here today, which is a tough one that I know a lot of people wrestle with. And this is a tough truth that we have to deal with. And the Bible is very clear on this. It says, all, are all governments and authorities really from God? And so if anything, you, you need to memorize Romans 13, 1 and 2 <laughs> over the next couple of weeks, because this is key. But we just want to pull out a few words here and a few principles. Now, there's a lot in this, and we're going to keep unpacking it. But 1 and 2 says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. That means that I myself need to bring myself underneath their authority. Why? Because they have been placed there, and we're going to find out by who. For there is no authority except for God. God, as we said, is that highest authority that all men will answer to. Whether you're a Christian or not, you will answer to God. The problem is, for Christians, we live our life now answering it to God as well. Or Sorry, that's not the problem, but that, that's the fact. We answer to God here and now. But notice that he's the highest authority, and it says, and those that exist have been instituted, placed there by who? By God. God. So therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. 
and those who resist all will incur judgment. And we'll talk about the judgment part next week. But notice that Paul, the Apostle Paul, and I, I got caught. I can't say Paul and Peter because we're up here. Apostle the Apostle Paul, Paul and, and the Apostle Peter. Peter. They highlight that God has appointed these people, have placed these people in these positions to maintain law and order. Now, we don't like that because when we think, like, with our American system of government, it's great. We have a great government system here. We'll talk more about that because we're running really out of time. But the point is, what do we do with communist China? What do you do with totalitarian governments or socialist governments or parliamentarian governments? Are these things really appointed by God? And you have to wrestle with that because the Bible says, yes, they are. And next week we'll talk about what do we do with bad governments. Assyria and Babylon were used in the Old Testament by God to bring about his purpose and plan. So we want to just highlight some points from today's sermon to you that we want you to take home as we close this out. The first one is, as Paul said at the very beginning, God is that ultimate authority. But notice that the Bible makes it very clear. God has given the ability and responsibility to man to govern here on earth. And yes, we do govern one another, and it has some heavy tolls. The second one is the main purpose of authority in our life is to keep law, order, goodness, and civility. We'll talk more about that next week because we're going to talk about the power God gives to government to carry those things out. The next one is there are more than just one governmental authority in our life. It's not just the government. It's God himself. It's the family unit working together. It's the church. It's the body of one another just in civility between us. And then it's, of course, our governmental system. And the last one is this one. We need to understand that every authority that exists is by God's design and plan. They will be used by him. And the choices that our government makes, we'll talk about that, will never shake God's plan. God's plan will always still be carried out. So those are the things we want to encourage you with. Now we're going to continue to talk about these things here in the future. And I'm going to ask Paul to close in just one second. But if you're continuing to ask yourself, okay, how does God want me to live? I highly encourage you to read Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 3 in its totality. And there goes my phone. There we go. Um, that's probably my authority that I have to answer to. No. <laughs> uh, but the fact of the matter is that we do have authorities that we need to listen to. And as Christians, we seriously need to consider what our attitude and what our action is toward the authorities that God himself has placed over us. Paul? I am thoroughly assured in my mind that there are people that will leave here and go, man, what Peter and Paul said, man, that's right on. And other people are going to go, man, they are off their rocker. Right. Don't I'm okay do that, that because we're not <laughs> done yet. And guess what? I have opinions too. Some of the stuff that we talked about, I don't even like. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible I don't like. Seriously. But I know that it's God's word, and he is right. Whether I like it or not is irrelevant. Right. Some things about government that he says about government, I really don't like. I would like to be able to just say, I got authority, and I'm going to defy, and I'm going to rebel against the government, I'm going to resist, and all those kinds of things. There, there is a place. It's way out at the end. We'll talk about <laughs> where there is the, a limit. The exceptions, the yeah. The very broad exception. I mean, further out exceptions. Yeah. But in the meantime, we absolutely have a responsibility. And 
to not do that is simply going to be anarchy. Yeah. Every man, and I told you we come back to this in the judges, it starts with every man did what was right in his own eyes, and it ends with every man did what was right in his own eyes. And it was pure chaos. And it was cycles of up and down, good and bad, and God had to keep stepping back in because they got to the point as a nation that they cried out to God and God if I would have been God, I would have went smash and smashed him and said, I'm done with you. I'm going out of, out of, putting you out of business. But he didn't. He sends him back and delivers him one more time. Right. Let's face it. We live in a country that of all the nations, of all the world, of all time, we have as individuals and as a church and as, as a citizens, we alone, in, as far as I can tell in all of history, have the ability to change things. No other government that I'm aware of ever had that opportunity. And so that's why every year you're going to hear me do at least one sermon on why you should vote and why your life should count. And I don't ever apologize for that. Let's all stand together as we close. Father, thank you so much that you're a God that knew exactly what we needed. You knew what sinful people needed. And you gave that even before sin came into the world, that there is authority. And you have made it clear that you are the ultimate authority, that whether we're individuals, a church, or a government, we all need to answer to you. Lord, I pray as we leave here that uh, this would have probably stirred us up, probably made even some people angry, uh, and maybe started asking a bunch more questions in your mind. But as Peter already challenged, Start by reading Romans 13, maybe second, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, and especially 1 Timothy chapter 2. Because there it says that we are absolutely to pray for those in authority. And Lord, I'm going to take a moment right now. Lord, be with our authorities from the president on down. Because this is an unprecedented time. And they need your wisdom and your truth. Lord, thanks so much. In Jesus' name, amen.